ETL Echo presents Quarter Life Crisis, an art and fic collaboration. Uncontrolled Magic, author Whimsy Managed, artists Ive Maruva and Talita Sama. 2.35 p.m. How do I turn the radio on? Hermione flicked the turn signal in the rental sedan more aggressively than necessary as she ignored the man sitting beside her. Keeping her eyes on the road, she reminded herself that she was on the clock, and co-worker homicide was against the DMLE's official code of conduct. The problem was that she had only so much patience, and none of that patience was saved for ex-boyfriends who sat in passenger seats, jabbing dashboard buttons at random. Stop doing that! Hermione smacked Draco Malfoy's wandering hands away from the hazard light button. There's no radio in here. You're lying. Even without glancing over, she knew that he was glaring at the side of her head. For good reason, she supposed, since he was right. She'd even been listening to the radio before she'd picked him up. All cars have radios. That is patently untrue. How would you know, anyway? They might have broken up two months ago, but she highly doubted that he'd broken his 24-year streak of carless existence in that time. A glance at the GPS showed that only ten minutes had passed since they'd gotten on the road, and there were still four more hours to their destination. Hermione was going to need to summon all the patience she possessed. Did you know there are these things called books, where you can get information on things even if you haven't personally experienced them? Unnecessarily condescending, she muttered. That's my line, he returned immediately, and Hermione's spine stiffened. He knew exactly how much she hated being called condescending. She gripped the steering wheel more tightly, wishing she hadn't told him that the radio didn't exist. It would have been useful to have something to drown out his voice now. I don't know why you're here she said after a moment. She'd been asked to take a road trip to a muggle bed and breakfast outside London to follow a lead the DMLE had on the burglary of the Greengrass estate. For some reason, the insufferable prick beside her had been put on the case too. It was one of the first times they were being forced to speak since their breakup. Maybe it's because I'm a great fucking aura, Draco drawled. Hermione ground her teeth. You don't go on muggle cases. This must have been an administrative error. It wasn't. Or Harry seriously is overestimating your ability to blend in with muggles. I can blend in with muggles just fine, Granger. With all the magic crackling around you right now, I'd say you're the one at risk of giving us away. Hermione took a slow, deep breath. She knew her magic acted up when she was upset. It was something she'd spent years trying to control, and she'd eventually found that it was easier to keep her emotions in check than to rein in her magic. When Draco was around, though, controlling her emotions became close to impossible. A few minutes passed in silence as she tried to pull herself together. Finally, she said quietly, You know my magic doesn't respond well to negative feelings. When he didn't reply, she glanced over. He was staring out the window, his mouth pressed into a hard line. Turning back to the road, she wondered if he was thinking about their last fight, too. The one that had nearly blown up her flat. Maybe we should talk, she said. Merlin, she hated having to talk things out. Yes, she was generally logical and straightforward, but she didn't like confrontation. She much preferred sending birds at someone's head to discussing her emotions if she was going to get through this drive without frying the car with magic, they might need to work through some of this. Oh, I'd rather not. That was what had broken them up in the first place. Neither of them ever wanted to talk. They would rather scream accusations and place blame and make digs than try to handle anything like adults. She would try one more time, and then she'd leave it. They would finish the mission, and she would very politely demand that Harry never pair them up again. She kept her eyes firmly on the road as she said, There are some things we should clear up. Granger, which part of I'd rather not do you not understand? She'd tried. The GPS said they still had three hours and 52 minutes of driving to go. She turned on the radio. 4.52pm. At a service station, Draco got out to stretch his legs while Hermione ducked into the restroom. 
When she emerged, Draco was nowhere to be seen, so she walked over to the Starbucks to get a hot tea. She found Draco standing in a rather long line, chatting with the petite brunette just in front of him. Hermione rolled her eyes, joining the back of the queue. She stared determinedly up at the menu board and pretended to peruse the options as though she didn't get Starbucks every other day. The brunette's light laugh floated down the line to her, but Hermione refused to look over. She knew Draco had an appeal that Wynne found difficult to resist. She'd been one of the women drawn to him, after all. Before she'd dated him, she'd seen woman after woman fall for his charms and into his bed. This, however, was the first time she'd seen him flirting with someone else since their breakup. That was the only reason it was rubbing her the wrong way. The first time would always sting, wouldn't it? Soon she'd get used to it, and eventually she'd forget they'd ever dated at all. Hermione scowled down at her purse. What did he have to talk about with someone in a Starbucks queue anyway? Even if there had been an attractive man standing beside her, she wouldn't have had any idea what to say to him. Do you like chai tea too, maybe? Or when was the last time you got an overpriced coffee? Can I pay for your drink? She heard the brunette ask Draco. His response was lost to the music and general buzz of the store. But the woman laughed and exclaimed, Come on, it's not a big deal. You're very kind, but I really need the rewards points, Draco answered, which only made the woman giggle more. As far as Hermione knew, Draco wasn't even registered for rewards. He was such a prick. Hermione clenched her fists against the magic sparking in her palms. The woman lingered as Draco ordered and paid, then continued to talk to him as they waited for their drinks. When it was Hermione's turn, she stepped up to the cashier and withdrew her credit card from her purse. Managing a tight smile, she said, Hi, I'd like a... There was a tap on her shoulder. She turned to see Draco holding up a to-go cup and looking at her strangely. I already got you one. Oh! Hermione stared at the cup, then back at the register. Sorry, I didn't realize. She stepped out of the line and took the cup from Draco. Peering at the shorthand scribbled on the side, she saw that he'd ordered her a chai tea with a splash of whole milk, less hot as she preferred. She looked over her shoulder to see where the woman he'd been talking to had gone. The lady was making her way towards an empty table and staring at Draco's back dejectedly. Where's your drink? Hermione asked him. Oh, I didn't get one. He started towards the exit and Hermione followed. She didn't miss the smug look he shot her when she made a noise of contentment at the first sip of her perfect tea. It was unsettling having Draco buy her a drink unasked. It felt too familiar, even intimate. She reminded herself of the way he'd been laughing with the woman earlier. They were broken up. He was single and free to do what he liked. But if what he liked was to unexpectedly buy her tea, then she supposed that was his prerogative. 6.14 p.m. Draco was silently doing a crossword as they drove, and it was driving Hermione crazy. He was probably the only person in the world who could irritate her as much with his silence as he could with his talking. She'd gotten him into crosswords, and they'd always done them together. He could have at least had the decency to read the clues out loud and let her guess, too. What do you think of this lead we're following? She asked too loudly in the small space. The radio a soft hum of background noise. He didn't answer, instead using the eraser on the back of his pencil to rub out a few of the letters he'd written down. Staying at a small bed and breakfast in the countryside would be a smart move for a thief, I suppose, Hermione mused. More discreet, and the owners are likely to be more trusting, aren't they? No response. Out of the corner of her eye, she could see his pencil moving. Since the tip came in earlier today, the thief could have moved on by now, she went on. He stayed last night, and that doesn't mean he'll stay again. It would make more sense for him to keep moving. Merlin, would you shut up? Draco groaned. I'm trying to talk to you about our case. You're just angry that I'm doing a crossword and you're not. Well, let's see you driving, and I'll just relax in the passenger seat and not say a single word and do a crossword without you. Fucking hell. Draco smacked his pencil down and jerked around to glare at her. Firstly, as you've said, I'm almost never on cases related to muggles. 
so learning to drive would be a waste of time. And secondly, I'm allowed to do crosswords without you. She barely bit back the no you're not that immediately wanted to bubble out of her. There was an ache in her chest that she didn't want to think about. It was the same ache she felt when she looked at him for too long, or smelled his cologne. Why would you do that in front of me? As if it wasn't enough to flirt with that Starbucks woman. What? Draco sputtered. Her face was blazing. Nothing. Forget I said anything. You can't be serious, Granger. No, I... Fuck. Her chest was getting itchy. She refused to look in his direction. We're not together. It's none of my business. A few minutes ticked by without him saying a word. She could feel the anger pulsing off of him, his crossword lying forgotten in his lap. Finally, in such a low voice that it was almost a growl, he said, I would greatly appreciate it if you tried not to make assumptions for once in your life. They didn't speak for the rest of the drive. 7.03pm Ethel, the elderly woman at the front desk, was in no hurry to find their room reservations. She kept up a steady stream of upbeat chatter as she slowly hunted for something under the paper strewn across her desk. Hermione was exhausted, but she reminded herself of the enormous bed and hot bath she'd get to enjoy in just a few minutes. Best of all, she'd be away from Draco and could nurse her stupid, aching heart in peace. Ah, oh, here it is. Ethel waved the book in the air triumphantly. She opened it, flipped several pages, and then ran her finger down the list of names. Right. Let's see here. Oh, yes. Granger. Request for king-size bed and a bathtub. Wonderful choices, dear. Thank you, Hermione said. And did you say Malfoy? Ethel peered at the lines of writing, her forehead wrinkling. She ran her finger down from the top to the bottom of the page three times. With each run-through, Hermione's heart thumped harder. They couldn't have driven four hours only for Draco's reservation to be non-existent. Oh dear, that doesn't sound good, Draco said in a pointedly strained way. Only someone as aristocratic as he was could manage. Ethel brought her alarmed eyes up to Draco's tired ones. It seems we've missed your reservation, love. That's all right, said Draco, the tension around his mouth betraying the lightness of his tone. I'll take whatever you have available. The grimace that crossed Ethel's face made Hermione's stomach sink. Well, we've been preparing all day for a full house, Ethel explained. We've already set aside all the rooms. Draco blinked slowly, his pale lashes almost sweeping his skin. There must be another room available if you thought my reservation might be there. We have three empty rooms at the moment, but they're definitely booked for the night, Ethel said, glancing between Hermione and Draco anxiously. I suppose the guests will arrive later this evening. And if they don't, Hermione asked, can Draco have one of those rooms? We have to save them, dear, Ethel said. The guests could check in at any time. I'm very sorry. Draco turned away from Ethel and Hermione watched as his lips formed a crisp fuck and Hermione ran through the possibilities in her mind and came up with precisely one solution. Damn it all to hell. You can stay with me, Malfoy. Incredulous, Draco echoed, With you? Hermione bristled, straightening self-consciously. Yes, it's not a big deal. He blinked. You requested a king-sized bed. Her cheeks heated, but she didn't let her gaze waver from his. As long as you don't mind sharing, I'll be quite all right. The bed will certainly be large enough for us to sleep on opposite sides without touching. It will, Ethel chimed in, looking relieved that a solution had presented itself. She bustled away to fetch Hermione's room key, then returned to press it into her hand. Again, Mr. Malfoy, I am so sorry about the mistake. Can I offer you two a complimentary dinner in the breakfast nook? Draco and Hermione exchanged a look. Then Draco sighed. Why not? 7.45 p.m. Ethel's husband Cyrus had done some improvising and had whipped up a decent dinner of bangers and mash. 
Draco and Hermione had eaten in near silence in the deserted breakfast area. Hermione didn't know why he was being so quiet, but she assumed it had something to do with the prospect of having to share a bed with her. She was nervous about having to share a bed with him, not because she didn't want to, but because she didn't think it would help the state of her traitorous heart. On the way up the stairs after dinner, Hermione told him, You don't have to share the bed. We can try to transfigure something. Draco shook his head. Magic is palpable, and we don't want the thief sensing it, if they're still here at all. Are you all right with sharing with me? She wanted to point out that she didn't have much choice, but for all of Draco's flaws, he would never force her into something she didn't want to do. The look he gave her now was serious. She bit her lip as she slid her key into the door's lock, stalling for time as she thought of the most diplomatic answer. The truth, Granger, he said. She opened the door with a click and stepped into the surprisingly large room. Clicking on the light switch, she said, Yes, it's fine. It's not ideal, but we've shared a bed before. I prefer this to having you sleep outside the B&B. When she turned to look at him, his eyes held too much. It wasn't typical for Draco to show anything he was feeling. His lips parted like he was about to speak, and Hermione immediately turned tail, overnight bag still over her shoulder, and ran into the bathroom to take a completely avoidant bath. 9.14 p.m. After Draco had taken his own bath, they had agreed to split up and make a round of the B&B to try to detect any magic or other suspicious activity. Hermione returned to their room having found nothing, and Draco turned up a few minutes later with a similar report. I think everyone's asleep, said Draco. He shoved his wand under the pillow on the left side of the bed and took off his shoes, carefully lining them up next to each other on the floor. We can try again in the morning. Breakfast starts at six, Hermione reminded him. Will you set an alarm? He asked. He yanked his shirt and trousers off and flipped up the patterned duvet to slide under it. Hermione blinked at him, then quickly glanced away. Everything felt too familiar, too reminiscent of the months they'd spent together. Her stomach churned, and she swallowed hard against the knot in her throat. She cast a spell that set a wand alarm and hurried into the bathroom to get into her pajamas. It wasn't terribly late, but the long drive and unwanted emotions had taken it out of her. When she was done getting ready for bed, she emerged to find that Draco had turned off the main light, and only the dim light on her nightstand remained glowing. She slipped under the covers and faced away from Draco, curling her fingers in against the magic buzzing there. When they'd shared beds before, they'd always ended up hopelessly tangled together, usually with her cheek on his chest and his fingers in her hair. Now the distance between them felt both too little and insurmountable. Her magic flickered, and she took a deep breath. She tried to focus on calming herself. She didn't want Draco to figure out how much his closeness was affecting her. She forced her shoulders away from her ears and shook her fingers out. Magic coursed through her veins like caffeine, making her feel jittery and on edge. The sheets rustled as Draco moved, then he said, Do you want me to leave? Of course he'd already sensed it. It's fine, she said, pressing her nails into her palms. She needed something to help her magic simmer down, something that would soothe the discomfort that seemed to come from the depths of her soul. She didn't know exactly what that was, but it probably wasn't in this room. You kept telling me this isn't what I wanted. She almost choked on air in her shock at Draco's statement. She squeezed her eyes shut against the darkness and didn't respond. You were never convinced that I loved you, he went on. It was so... You know, I get it, Granger. I have baggage too. But it was hard to keep fighting when it felt like I'd never get through to you. So it's my fault, Hermione couldn't stop herself from saying. She could hear his annoyed intake of breath. No, yes, it was both our faults. I know I gave up too easily. They'd had endless fights, often about how she wasn't good enough, 
She thought she knew the life he'd planned for himself and was quite sure she wasn't supposed to be a part of it. He'd tried reassuring her as well as he could, but she'd known going in that he wasn't exactly well-adjusted either. Taking time and space and being gentle wasn't natural to either of them. I shouldn't have made it so you had to fight so hard. She could see that now, but it wasn't an easy admission regardless. Her magic was still bubbling close to the surface, ready to explode at the slightest signal from her. She was always giving it the signal, and she didn't think she wanted to this time. I'm sorry. The words were so unexpected Hermione jolted, tempted to flip over and gawk at him obnoxiously. For what it's worth, after one month with you, I couldn't picture my life a different way. It was you or nothing. Not the pure-blood wife and cold manner you seemed to think I wanted. Just you and our bookshelves and your horrible cat and you. You said me twice. A huff of air behind her. I'm trying to tell you something, Granger. Without thinking, she reached back to find his hand. His fingers slipped into the spaces between her own, his palm pressing into hers. It hurts when I'm not yours, she whispered. He shifted closer and pressed his face into her hair. What do you want? He asked, his voice muffled by her curls. She turned slowly and looked at him. In the soft glow of the lamp, her eyes traced the lines of his face like they hadn't gotten to in over eight weeks. She was lifting her hand to cup his cheek when he leaned forward and kissed her, his hand coming to press hers into his skin. She inhaled sharply, kissing him back. Her heart was pounding rapidly, but the near threat of uncontrolled magic had finally receded. And now she was left with only the way her heart wanted to burst out of her chest and the urgency of needing his skin on hers. She kissed him with a ferocity that probably should have scared him, but it didn't. Instead, he slipped an arm around her waist and hauled her closer. God, I missed you. He breathed against her lips, sliding his palm over her ass and squeezing. His hand slipped under the back of her shirt, burning a hot trail from the small of her back up to the middle of her shoulder blades. For her part, she'd worked her hands between them and greedily touched every part of him she could reach. His stomach, his chest, the curve of his shoulders, the muscles in his arms. Should we? He groaned as she slipped a hand into the front of his boxers. He was hard and thick in her fist. Do you think we should slow down? No, she said, taking his hand and placing it on her breast. I think we should speed up, actually. Is there a reason to rush? He could have been teasing her, but there was an uncertainty in his voice that made her pull back to look at him. His eyes were guarded as they flicked between hers. Only that I want you so badly, she said truthfully, making sure to hold his gaze. She'd hidden from him too many times in the past few months. Smoothing her thumb over the high crest of his cheekbone, she added, I've missed you too, every day. He kissed her fiercely before moving down her body. She pushed herself to her elbows and watched as he kissed down her stomach, the anticipation almost overwhelming. He glanced up at her and smirked. What about this? I've missed it twice a day. He laughed, quickly ridding her of her pajamas. She yanked at his shirt impatiently. You need to be naked too. Bossy, he quipped. As if you didn't know, she tossed back. He arched an eyebrow at her, pushed her knees to her chest, and dove in. Hermione sucked in a breath, her back arching off the bed. Fuck, she'd forgotten how good this was. Prior to being with Draco, she'd always thought of sex as fine. But everything between her and Draco was explosive. Always had been. Like uncontrolled magic. Her toes curled into the sheets as he sucked her clit, his finger slipping inside her and curving just right. He licked her with an unrelenting focus and pressure that had her spiraling faster than ever before. 
She would have been embarrassed by the whimpers coming from her lips if Draco hadn't already been well acquainted with exactly how unraveled she could become under his mouth. Fuck. Draco groaned, suddenly pulling away. He reached down to squeeze the base of his erection, his throat bobbing on a swallow. Sorry. Give me a minute. She grabbed his arm and pulled, urging him up. He began to protest, but she said, Later. We have time. With one more study of her features and a desperate nod from her, Draco gripped his cock and guided it to her entrance. She couldn't help but notice that his fingers, usually so sure and steady, were trembling. Okay? She whispered. He nodded tightly. Just a warning. I might be the one whose magic makes something explode. She snorted a laugh and he gave her a narrowed-eyed look that was more amused than anything. She said, You have too much self-control for that. Not when it comes to you, he said, sliding inside her with one deep thrust. Hermione cried out, her fingers digging into his back. She was shocked to find tears pricking at the back of her eyes at the feeling of him inside her. As ridiculous and illogical and completely corny as it might have sounded, being with Draco felt right. He began moving inside her, his fingers finding her clit and working it hard and fast. So good, she babbled squeezing her eyes against the emotion gathered there. Just like that. Draco, please. He pressed his lips to her neck, his thrusts growing faster and more erratic. He growled into her skin. You're enough for me. You've always been enough. I love you. I love you, she gasped, the pleasure building inside her reaching its peak. Her orgasm crashed over her, a moan tearing from her lips as she pulsed around him, urging him over the edge with her. He obliged, spilling inside of her with a drawn-out groan into her shoulder. Oh my god, she panted once the blinding pleasure had finally ebbed. Draco moved to get off her, but she held tight. No, not yet. He rolled them over so she was lying on top of him, their limbs tangled, and her head on his chest. He threaded his fingers in her hair as they tried to catch their breath. Thank you, she said, lifting her head to meet his eyes for helping me get my magic under control. I know that's why you started talking to me earlier. Draco breathed a laugh, smoothing a hand down her arm. It's why I started talking, yes. But if you think for one minute that what just happened was purely to tap down your magic, you are sorely mistaken. She smiled, laying her head back down against his heart. I know, you really do love me. A ridiculous amount, he agreed, kissing her forehead. I won't doubt you again, she said softly. He didn't respond, but a peek at his expression told her just how much he appreciated the words. He tugged the duvet up over their bodies and held her close. Go to sleep, he told her. Breakfast starts at six. And then we catch a thief, she said, and he murmured his agreement. She smiled against his skin as she drifted off to sleep. Maybe uncontrolled magic wasn't a bad thing after all. Thank you for listening to Quarter Life Crisis and Uncontrolled Magic, presented by ETL Echo. If you enjoyed the story and would like to stay up to date for other chapters and stories from ETL Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo, echoing tales of enemies to lovers. <laughs>